0: Welcome back everyone to Ready Set Go Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host Mr. Brandon Elliot. Today we have a special guest, a friend of mine. You know, I was on his podcast back in the spring and we got to connect for, you know, a few minutes before and after as well as during his podcast, The Bulletproof Cashflow Show, and I was just so freaking impressed with this dude. I was mind blown with his goals with just his action that he takes and no BS. You know, like being from the East Coast, I can appreciate no BS. And with how much mixed emotions there are out there in the real estate space and teaching and all the nonsense, this guy is truly taking action. But he's been in the game for the last 17, 18 years now, got into multifamily and realized that he was playing on the lower levels for that long period of time. He got into multifamily about four and a half, five years ago. And What's really amazing is that he's sitting in the Rockefeller building right now that he acquired a few years ago and, and just doing some amazing stuff on ground up construction, triple net lease options for more cash flow and ground up development. That is really changing the game over in the Cleveland, Ohio area. So just really excited to be able to pour in today. But, Augustino,
1: what's up, man? How are you today, brother? Man, I'm freaking awesome. Yes. And I'm awesome. I'm alive. Uh, that's good yes. news. <laughs> yes, that's I'm here. Good. That's good news. I showed up, right? That's, that's right. good. I mean, we're making deals or we're popping deals, you know. I'm, I'm hoping I get two more done by the end of the year here, end of this month. So 15 oh, yeah. days, trying to close two more, two more little baby deals. Let's roll, you know. I
0: love it. You know, in December, I've always found that I've typically acquired the most of my real estate in December. And a lot of people during the holidays, they start like holding back and really, yeah. you know, getting ready for the season and just kind of settling down. Most action takers, they kind of step it up, right? Like, so right now you're still picking up properties, right? With the market, the craziness, the high interest rates, you're not stopping, right?
1: Well, what I do is every December, I usually take some time to reflect mm-hmm. on how I'm gonna, what I'm going to do for the following year. Yeah. And I had a goal to acquire or get into $200 million worth of stuff, with yes, deals, right? And these deals are like say the Westgate deal, which we, we just closed on that. And we're talking to the green room. It's a medical building where you convert to multifamily. That's going to be a $32 million deal when it's done. So that counts towards the goal, right? So the key is, is to try to set goals big enough that seem like when you look at them, you put them on paper, like, oh man, that seems <laughs> like a lot, man. But yeah. you know what? If you bust your ass and you really take charge of it, you know, it's all, it's all you can do, right? So I think we're yeah. I think with the deals I can close by the end of this year, I have one more little small deal. It's only half a million dollars, but hey, it counts. Every little bit helps. Yep. I'm almost there. I'm almost there, but I didn't I quite make it. it, but it's all right. I'll tack it on to next year. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, make your goals so big that they scare the hell out of you. And just because you, know, you didn't make it to the sun, right? You made it to the moon. It's pretty damn awesome. It's higher than what a lot of us would have naturally achieved if we would have played small and got to something that we naturally thought, yeah, I can do this. So I definitely respect that. There's more time, right? There's more time at the end of this year to take down more territory. So for anybody out there though, that doesn't know who you are, where you're from, what you're up to, do you mind just like diving in a little bit, that 30,000 foot view?
1: Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So my name is Augustino Pintas, if you don't know me, I'm a multifamily syndicator, primarily real estate syndicator, capital raiser, that sort of thing. And Really started off, this whole journey started off as a way to really break free of corporate. I'm an ex-corporate guy. I used to run like large enterprise technology and had teams working. I was working with, with, with various teams of tech folks that would build out software, network, all kinds of stuff for publicly traded companies, large private companies. The thing is, though, since I was a kid, I always had that entrepreneurial bug. I wanted to do something on my own forever, pretty much. And when I was a kid, I was one of these kids, I started coding when I was like nine or 10 years old. I was <laughs> my, my old Commodore 64. For those people that don't know what that is, you should Google that for a second. It's a, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a while back now, right? I'm probably really dating myself. But the thing is, is that that entrepreneurial bug and was always there. And even though I was really pushed into doing the whole corporate life, I spent a bulk of time, a lot of time doing that, you know, and sure. I just truly did not re- really belong there. the jobs that I excelled at were the ones that I was largely just left alone. Here's a big budget, go do your thing. Let me know when it's done, you know, that yeah. type of scenario, right? Well, you know what, when you reach your forties and you get laid off, then what do you do? Right. And I'm sure it's going to be for many of the people listening right now, you're either in that situation currently, Or you're about to be in that situation because we're in a recessionary period at this very moment. I just thought
0: about all the tech companies right now. They're doing that right now. Like a a ton of people are getting laid off because just where the market's going and the tech space in general, recession. Yeah.
1: It doesn't have to be just tech. It could be anything, right? But I mean, but yeah, I mean, it could be anything. And and this is where I was at. Here I am. The last company I was working with, I was in my 40s. I turned the whole company around, not by myself, obviously. I had a team of people and the CEO hired me in as like the guy running technology. And this is a technology company. So it was a very large responsibility. Yeah, New guy comes in, old guy leaves. So here I am with like with the new boss hates me within a span of like a month, I'm out the door, right? And you think about it for a second. Here you are in your forties, you have responsibilities at home. Yeah. What in the hell are you going to do now? Yeah. You're going to go get a job in your 40s? Yeah. The problem is, mm-hmm. I mean, not that you can't get a job or anything, but the problem is is that there's always someone else on the come up, right? That'll do the same thing faster and cheaper than you can.
0: Yeah. And right? AI and everything else, I mean, it just when you are putting your livelihood and your finances in somebody else's hand and your future in somebody else's hand, then then what? What about for your family? Right. What about for your future, you know? It, and it can be taken at any moment right?
1: Yeah. And I'm not poo-pooing corporate. I'm not, I'm not saying that corporate is evil or whatever. Certainly not. I'm just saying that it wasn't right for me. Right. And I'm sure there's many other people out there that are scared to take the leap. And that's where I was. Right. Of course. And you know, part of it is, is that that point I went on a journey, started selling off. I had a bunch of single family homes that had acquired previously. So I started selling off all the single family homes. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I I knew it was going to be something maybe with real estate. But I hadn't made the decision that yeah. this is the cutoff. I'm doing yeah. it, right? But draw I know the that line I need, in the sand, some,
0: like this is it yeah, right here.
1: Yeah, I hadn't done that yet, but I knew that I needed some powder, right? So I started selling all the single family home stuff. And my girlfriend at the time, I told her, I said, you know what, this next job I take will be the last one I ever do. I will never go work for anybody ever again. So that's when you draw the line in the sand, Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: right? And you start building something. And so- Fine. Once that decision point is made, now what are you going to do? Right? So what's everything that comes after it becomes absolutely critical. The problem is like many folks out there, I wasn't thinking big enough, you know, but not right away. I mean, it took a while for to gain the confidence and the experience. And I think the other side of fear is knowledge, right? If you can, once you gain knowledge, yeah. then the you, you're not away. afraid anymore. Right. Yeah. And that's why it's like, would you jump out of a plane tomorrow? Yeah, (laughs) and probably not. But if you know how to jump out of a plane, you know how to put on a parachute, make sure that it's secured and make sure you know when to pull it, everything else like that. feel a hell of a lot more
0: confident than the day before. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, so it's the same thing goes with everything else in life. Real estate is not excluded. Right. Yeah. And really, that's what it got down to is making that decision. And once the decision point was made, I learned about what multifamily was and how it worked and syndication and putting deals together. Yeah. I then went on to choose the market that I wanted to get into when I chose, I chose the Cleveland market, Northeast Ohio, and started really getting to learn the market and, get market and getting the market to know me, which is just mm-hmm. as important. I think there's a big emphasis on get to know the market, know where all the bad areas are, the good areas, yada, yada, yada. That's fine. What's most important, does the market know who you are? That is right? so that's, good. That's absolutely key because if the market doesn't know who you are, yeah. they're never going to come to you. Exactly.
0: Yes. Right. See, I I tell people this in a different, I've never heard it like that, but it sounds so good. You know, you have to know your market, of course, duh, you know, but afterwards, are you telling enough people in your market, what you're looking for, what, who you are, what you're up to, what you're doing, and do they know to send all the deals to you? Right. right. And if not, then yeah, I mean, it's not going to just jump out and bite you in the ass, you know, say, Hey,
1: here's the deal. Right. That's, that's exactly it. You call brokers up. and like Now I have, I have many broker friends. I just call yes. them up and, hey, man, what are you working on? Got any deals for me? Hey, buddy, yeah. what do you got? What do you got for me, man? <laughs> so, so it's like, by doing that, you're establishing a connection and it's a friendship as well. So it's not just a broker transaction. It's a friendship. You're building ties with the, with the market. That's probably one of the hardest things to do. That's why I'm a big advocate of, of learning a market and becoming part of that market so the market, again, knows you, very hard to do when you're just like, you know, transient in a market and just buying 100 units here and there. Certainly, yeah. you could do that, I suppose. Yeah. But I think those are higher risk deals. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get into that here in a little bit. But at any rate, once I made the decision to get, really get into this business, I started really focusing on raising capital, focusing on talking to brokers. So those are the two things I really started doing, like building the team. And then I started just, I did my own deal on my own, right? Because I felt that. Your first one? My very first one I did on my own. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> it was an 11 unit okay. and I found it on the MLS of all places. Yeah. It was in the wrong place. So someone, it was it was a real estate agent that got the listing. Yeah. She had no idea what multifamily was and put it on the MLS. You know, I've as well it. as I do, yeah. it needs to be on a commercial site, not yeah. a resi site. And- that, that, that happens too. That's why it's sure. like
0: the MLS isn't necessarily dead. Don't like, don't get it twisted. It, there's still opportunities on there. It may be more difficult, but there's mess ups that happen every single day. Every if day. That seller has a relationship with an agent, you know, they don't know what the hell they're doing. They might put it up there and marketing to the wrong crowd. But if you're searching, you can find it.
1: Every day, every, it happens every day, you know, yep. and, and screw ups happen every single day, you know? And true. so that's the thing. It's like, that's that was the case here. This building was sitting on the MLS for God knows how long, yeah. like 120 days or something ridiculous, right? Yeah. And the seller's like, how come we're not getting any deals? What's going on, you know? Yeah, being marketed uh, pro- improperly. It, it wasn't was being marketed, right? Yeah. So I stole the asset. I yep. stole it, I stole it, I stole it. Good Added good. another unit to it. So I made it a 12 unit. Yeah, And then went from there. But I felt at the time, I felt that I cannot go out and raise money unless I have my own deal. Sure. That's not necessarily the case. That's just, that was a limiting belief that I put on myself. Of course. Right, but
0: you you were doing real estate for years prior, but but I was doing I, single
1: family. Yeah,
0: but that yeah. was that was your own capital that you were utilizing for the most part. Yeah,
1: I was single family, and I had a job. I, mean, yeah. I had a job when I was the last job I was working at I sure. was when I was started, so to speak. But it's a little different when you're doing those types of deals. You're yeah. working with a bank, you know, three percent down, all that, you know, that whole thing, right? Yeah, you could do up to ten houses under your own name, you know, yeah. whatever. I mean, it's listen, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Again. I'm not poo-pooing how anybody wants to do their own, their own business. When I really started fixing my mindset and turning turning this this little fire, this little ember, into something ferocious, yeah, a ferocious, forest fire, so to speak. Yeah, you can't really do it buying ten houses at a time and trying to like you know skirt little government things to uh, or you know loans, whatever, to yeah. try to put three percent down. That's that's not how it's done.
0: Not if you're looking to get like true you know, generational wealth. Like if right. you're trying to get some big boy money, it's just not going to happen right. doing it this way.
1: Right. You're never going to get a private jet yeah. by, you know, <laughs> trying to use that methodology of buying 10 single family homes with a single bank and yeah. shows up on your credit. And it's, no, not yeah. it's not happening. It's not happening. Right. So, but once I had that first deal, then it's kind of like, now when I'm talking to brokers, I could say, yeah. yeah, I have one deal. And they're like, okay, well at least talk to the guy, you know? Sure. Yeah. Believe it or not, that one deal becomes a separating point between the newbie who wishes they can do it yep, and the person who actually does it. yep. Because the first deal, I promise to anybody listening, the first deal will always be the hardest one. Mm. Always. The first deal is always the hardest. And it gets easier and easier and easier as you go. I normally now, say it's
0: like, a, it's like a three, like your first three, like you're going to learn something new on each one. But after the third one, like, dude, you're going to see it's the same process each time. It's going to be slightly different. There's going to be a little hiccup here and there, but man, it, it will get so much easier that your confidence should be, you know, ready to go.
1: I mean, I'll tell you what, man, I'm still, we're, we're into $350 million worth of stuff right now and yeah. I'm still learning shit every day. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> So I'm like, huh, is that right? Wow. Yeah. How about that? You know? So it's like, there's always something to yep. learn. And I think that it's one good. of the trademarks of a great entrepreneur is to always ask why. You know, if they hear something, they're just like, huh, why is that? Yeah. You know, I think that that might be a, it's a great trademark of a good entrepreneur to always ask why, no matter what. So, yeah, yeah when we started doing the multifamily acquisition thing, I partnered up with, with a bunch of different folks and you know, we raised capital and we put deals together. And then as the economy started shifting, these are things that in the real estate space, you really have to watch out for. I saw. About just over a year ago, that pricing was starting to get a little bit out of whack. Sure. And pricing varies depending on the area that you're buying in. And this is, again, one of the reasons why I stay in one market, and one yep. market at a time. You know, you buy maybe a thousand units is really your minimal point before you move on to a new market. And I saw this happening. So we decided to really shift into development and redevelopment of of buildings too, right? Historical assets. I love historical assets. This is one we're in right now, the Rockefeller building in downtown Cleveland. This is going to be a $130 million deal when it's done. And we just closed, like I said, in the green room there, we just closed another medical office building. That's going to be a $32 million deal. So it's funny how when you expand your mindset, suddenly $32 million seems like a very small number. Yeah. I mean, honestly, (laughs) I know it's a big number. I know it is. Of course.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. But it's, But as you expand your mind and get into larger and larger deals, you start realizing that they're just numbers. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm I'm not the first guy to say that, but they're just numbers, man. That's it. You know, and and really it comes down to getting around the right people that have the same sort of mindset and, uh, you know, winner take all attitude type scenario to really see things through. It's really what it comes down to, right? So anyway, yeah, man, I mean, I learned a lot in that deal, Mm -hmm. tell you that, (laughs) without getting into it on Facebook Live. Yeah. But. There's a lot to learn, but you know what, man? My worst day doing this is still better than my best day working in corporate. That's all I could say, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you, man. And I couldn't agree more. I think having that freedom and really just putting all pressure on you, right? Like if, yeah. it's, if it's meant to be, it's up to me type of thing, right? Like I don't need to count on anybody else. Obviously you're building out your team. It's not just a one-man show, right? There's right, right, many right. other hands that are in the pot and there's mouths to feed. But at the end of the day, you can have the security and peace of mind knowing that like, if I'm going to eat this year, like it's up to me to go out and hunt for it and really build up something proper. But, I don't need to, you know, wait you, on somebody else.
1: Yeah. But I'll tell you what though, certainly entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. It's um, not for everybody. Yeah. No. It's not for everybody. And that's okay. You know, and there's yeah. varying levels of entrepreneurship. If you still want to go and, and work somewhere and, and have a side hustle, have something coming in on, on yep. the side. That's perfectly fine. You yeah. want to own, like, say, 200 units and just get some cash flow off of that, and yep. then maybe pass on to your kids. Perfectly fine too. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that at all. You know, I'll tell you what it's not. I did a, a video on this the other day, actually. When when an entrepreneur reached out and, you know, he immediately says, that, "Oh, I, I want to live on the beach. I want to sit my ties and look at the water all day." Blah blah blah. I'm like, for how long?
0: You know, (laughs) you know, because after about a month or so of doing that, then you're going to be like, all right, well, you know, maybe I should get back to work. Maybe I should do something. It's like, you got to get back to life.
1: Yeah. Because that lifestyle will kill you. you Yeah. Entrepreneurs, at least entrepreneurs I know, don't do that. They're always hustling. And it's not like when Instagram makes it out to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the successful entrepreneurs are busting their ass every day. Yeah. They're not Instagram models that get, they get sponsorships. Yeah. It's not like this at yeah. all. No, no, It's real work.
0: So talk to me. In the past, you were focusing on a lot of acquisitions and as well as the triple net lease for more cash flow and then development. It seems like the acquisitions just it's kind of inflated right now. It doesn't make sense necessarily at the moment. So kind of stay putting that on the back burner. Focusing more right now on development and also the triple net leases, I'm very inspired by the triple net leases and then the developments, I always love developments, but it also scares the hell out of me when it comes down to just the city and taking time. I believe any place nationwide is way better than San Diego, but it's taken like a year and a half to three years just to get anything going just out there. It's it's legitimately horrible because markets will definitely change, you know, lumber, labor, everything is going up since I started my ground up construction and we're nowhere even near, you know. We're a year and a half into it. We have another year and a half probably expected to take place. Talk to me about your market. Cleveland, Ohio, when it comes down to the city relationships is a big key factor here, and obviously doing it over time, you start to build up this, you know, the processes and so forth, but what is the time expectancy to really do these developments?
1: Well, development it varies, It right? yeah. depends on the project, right? Sure. It depends on the complexity of the project as well. So much of what you just described, when you're dealing with the city, dealing with municipalities, things like that, all that exists, mm-hmm. no matter where you go, obviously. Some places are easier to deal with than others. Like I think in in Houston, there aren't really any, it's like a it's like a no holds bar type development scenario. Yeah. You would have like single tenant store and then you have some crappy building and then you'd have like a a high rise right next to it it's like there's no rhyme or reason around who (laughs) builds what where planning zone here (laughs) there's no planning there's no there's there's no planning no planning yeah they forgot Um, that department (laughs) right well it's yeah i mean there's various ways of looking at it again not poo-pooing it or to each his own right but yeah places like california which is very very tough to build in but if you know what you're doing and understand how to navigate those types of scenarios now you have a moat around your business yeah right like i have friends that that develop in that market exclusively in that yeah. market and just like to your point to navigate that whole scenario is very hard to do unless you know what you're doing unless you know yeah. who to talk to right so well, it's
0: very political almost as well right Oh no like, it's, it's, it's that's an understatement it's yeah, all political yeah, yeah it's, it's all, all political, political. yeah it's
1: all political yeah it's like the, the things that we do right now so I'm trying to find, like I do with all my deals, we don't do dumb deals. I don't know how, so that's the plainest way I could say it. I don't take on high risk type of things. I'm at a point in my life personally where I want to be able to sleep at night, you know, and if the deal's a bad deal, I'm not going to do that deal. Yep. I don't have to do that deal. Like yeah. that's that's I, I'm under no pressure to do the deal. The reason why I say that is because some folks out there like they have to dispose of this cash they're sitting on in this time frame. Otherwise, they have to return it back to the investors. Yeah. We don't, we're not under that condition. We don't that's have good. to. We raise on a, as an as need basis. And Number one, number two, like I said, the deals that we do are solid, strong deals. Yes. Yeah, right. They're not like you know 500 units of Class A in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I don't do stuff like that uh-huh. with some insane like with a twenty five percent IRR and blah 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 blah. It's like <laughs> it's not even realistic. In my yeah,
0: opinion. it's not realistic.
1: Yeah, but again, to each his own. Yep. The type of deals I typically do, at least the ones we have in our pipeline right now, is some sort of tax advantage. There's yeah. some sort of opportunity zone component which makes it a huge advantage for investors getting in on those deals. The fifteen year tax abatement, for instance, sure. is obviously. Fifteen years of no taxes on an asset is huge, yeah <laughs> huge right yeah, so it improves NOI tremendously, so just to your point, all things being equal when it comes to labor and building the asset, you know building asset materials, yada, 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 you have these two, but when you get the cost of land for far less money, plus abatements plus the OZ incentives, everything else like that yeah. clearly. You know, this market makes Cleveland anyway, makes total sense. We're not the only one that has this. There's plenty of OZ type of places, opportunity zone type of places, but it's just that the opportunity zones that we're investing in are real good. Like they're not like total war zones, right? Mm -hmm. They might've been at one point in history, no doubt, but today they're transitioned. And you can see the transition. I could point exactly to Cleveland clinics right here. And we're like, you know, half a block away. Like we're literally doing those buildings today, like right now. So those are the types of deals we do. The only, the other deal I told you about the Westgate deal, where that deal is, that's an A-class type of area with no housing, no tax advantages per se, However, that's an A-class area. Yeah. No matter what happens in a recession, A-class areas don't care.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Recessions don't don't impact those folks. Yep. They
1: don't feel it. Is that a value add? These properties. So the one in uh, in Rocky River, right, uh-huh. the the, the A class area. That one is a a rehab, an office uh, reuse okay. type scenario, much like Rockefeller. That's it's. I guess it is historical. Ross Perot actually built that building yeah. many years ago. But again, there's no like historical tax credits or anything else like that. You know? Yeah. So unfortunately, but it doesn't matter anyway. It's just a very different type of asset that we've got a, a very, we've got a very yeah. good
0: deal on it. If the numbers work. They work. The
1: numbers. Yeah. Work, yeah. That's part of it too—is getting an actual deal, which is way harder to do, right? Yes. It's, hard, it's hard finding a good deal. They're out um, there, though.
0: Yeah, they're uh, yeah. out
1: there. You just have to look. You have to, you yeah. have to, you have to be connected, right? Yep. Um. But uh, these other these other deals that we generally do are, as our bread and butter, so to speak, um, there's some sort of tax advantage or some sort of oz component. We have what seven or eight deals cooking right now that fits that model, you know. So yeah, we we're, we're very busy with that type of stuff.
0: Yeah, when it comes down to the development, what are the plans with that? Is that to buy, hold, refinance, keep for the long run, or flip later on, get investors' money back, no, and it's, then keep?
1: It, it largely is the same play. Sure. Buy, you build it, you refinance it. Yep. Pull the cash out. Whenever I underwrite deals, the minimum is sixty percent back to the investors. We try to we try to pull a double, but you know, yeah. generally, I I stay very conservative with my yep. numbers. And um and then we, we look to at least do a double on a deal, double their money in about five to seven years. You know? Love it. So yeah, it's it's the same model we've used for many, many, many years. And it works, right? We don't, yeah, we don't yeah. change the formula, don't don't mess with the formula.
0: And then there's a certain point in time where, you know, around that seven to ten year mark where the numbers just start kind of going, they hit a peak, right? And then they start going down a little bit when it comes down to more maintenance and so forth. Is that times that you start looking to sell or you haven't been there yet? So it's it's not necessarily needed to, you know.
1: It it doesn't really come down to that regardless. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. it, so it has more to do with hold times so that we, 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 when we told our investors when we're going to do it, like what the sure. plan is, you know? So yeah. Like, I would never tell the investor, yeah, the whole time on this asset is 10 years, but you know what? Screw it. I'm keeping it for 20 because I want to. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's like it, I, that would be a real bad move on my part. Why, why would I do that? You know, yeah. I would rather just, you know, get the investor out of the asset. They could take their money home, roll it into another deal, whatever the case would be. Not my for problem. Sure. You know, just give them their money back and everyone's happy. You know, so it depends on the terms of the deal. But I don't know if for these types of assets, yeah, things get old. Things break. That's part of life, I suppose, right? But it's not really the driver as to why we would sell the asset or anything else like that, you know? But I would say that maintaining the asset becomes important. Obviously, your operating costs, like at the onset, it's like a 40% operating, right? Is what we project. But then, yes, maybe after the five year mark, they start creeping upwards now. So now you're talking, you know, 41, 45, 47. Maybe it gets at a 50% mark before you unload it anyway. But it all comes down with budgeting. We do annual sure. budgets on all of our stuff. So we kind of like project that stuff out. Yeah. Talk
0: to me about triple net leases. You got a, a few right now that you're buying basically like CVS's, Dollar General, stuff like that, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So, so single tenant net lease, we acquire those under the Fortress Fund brand. And just as the name implies, it's Fortress Fund is meant to be a single tenant net lease acquisition strategy, right? So the fund, it's a blind pool. You put your money in. You don't know what we're gonna buy, aside from us telling you we're gonna acquire Dollar Generals. Yeah we're targeting Dollar General, Dollar Tree, Walgreens, CVS, QSR, quick service restaurant, medical, medical franchises, you know, that sure. type of thing, like DaVita, you know, the the, the dialysis type of companies yep. there, Vetcore, stuff, stuff like that. So we're gonna be acquiring those types of assets. The reason why we'd set it up as a blind pool method is because under normal circumstances, with those types of assets, you have to be able to close fairly quickly, Mm. right? So by having the cash available from the investors, you can line up the financing. You always have to, again, you maintain those relationships, right? And you have the cash available for your equity. And and you can probably close, if you're dealing with a lender you've already dealt with before, probably 30 days. Lenders generally like those assets. Yeah. Generally, they like yeah. those assets. And if they like the asset and they like the operator, they'll close fairly quickly. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we have four stores right now, wow. mainly Dollar General, Dollar Tree, stuff like that. We're, we're closing on a vet core here, probably, I think it's I think early January, closing on a vet core. Mm. And then fund number two is going to be starting up here in February. So, yeah, we're going to be reopening up another one here soon. And yeah, it's, it, the, the that model is great because you have, this consistent cash flow, right? This is a dollar general. It isn't like they're going to stop paying because of COVID, like they do yeah. on a single family <laughs> or in a multifamily. Oh, it's COVID time. I'm not, I'm not paying my rent now because yeah. it's COVID. You know, They pay rent no matter what. And it's very, very, very predictable. It's so predictable that we do monthly returns. Right. Mm. We, we do our distributions on a monthly basis.
0: Monthly basis, that's how,
1: wow. That's yeah. how predictable it is, right? Wow. So, but it is risk adjusted. You know, this is not like the crazy returns you're going to get from a multifamily. You're going to get some tax benefits from it too, because you still do cost segs on, on, sure. those, on, this, on these assets too. Yep. But it's a risk adjusted return. If you want monthly steady cash flow that you can bet on when it's going to show up, it's not a bad deal. Yeah. With multifamily, even an A-class asset, it doesn't work out that way, you know. Historically, we bought a lot of C-class stuff, but we have to go in. You got to fix it. There may not be distributions for six months, but yep. when they are, like we always hit the target. Like when we say a twelve percent return, it's going to be like it's twelve percent, but it's going to show up in this calendar year. Every responsible syndicator does it this way. In our case, it's you know, as soon as we acquire the asset, we just tack it on and just starts sending out money. We set out checks, right? So that's the difference. That's the difference with that asset class. So phenomenal asset class. The long-term goal is to eventually package it all up and take it public. As That's, mm. a, no. That's okay. a long, 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 long-term goal. I have public experience, as I mentioned before, so I kind of know how to do that kind of stuff and work with those sorts of people. Yeah, That's a long-term goal. But for now, you know what? We're just acquiring assets and, and really it's to allow the investors to come in on all of our deals an opportunity to get some steady cash flow while we're waiting out different deals that we're working on.
0: So for the returns, what does that typically look like for the net leases, single occupancy?
1: Sure. So it's typically a seven to ten percent return. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's annualized. Annualized. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, it's not like mind-blowingly awesome, but it's yeah. not terrible. It's no. fine. It's good. You know, it's it's secured by a lease by a, yeah. like a billion-dollar company signs on a lease and promises they're going to make the payment. I mean, it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, All General it's not going out of business anytime soon. No. And we also buy the asset. Like we're buying the real estate that's underneath no. it too. You know, so we're buying a real asset, a real building, and we and we also have the lease. And the lease is secured by the tenant. And then your,
0: of, your responsibilities are basically what? Management, as well as um, are you handling landscaping and so forth outside, or is that?
1: It, yeah, that's, it, varies. it varies. It varies, right? Yeah. So it depends on whether it's a double net or a triple net lease or a single sure. net lease or whatever it is, right? Each, each one of these has different things, right? So if we're responsible for, say, the AC, the air conditioning, and the asphalt, or Maybe we're responsible for repairs after a certain dollar amount, yeah. or maybe we're responsible for just the asphalt in the building. It all varies. Every single lease is like a snowflake; they're all different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> so yeah. that's why when you're doing these types of deals, yeah, having expertise to really understand what you're looking for, what the true cost to the owner is paramount. It's not as like as easy as just, I'm just going to buy a Dollar Tree and away you go. It's not like that at all. You really have to know what you're doing when you're putting these deals together. So it's not only the complexity of the fund, but it's the complexity of the asset individually becomes just as much fun to do. So, But the good thing is that because we have the expertise in-house, we know what we're looking for when we're buying, say, I don't know, seven, 10, 15 of these stores in a single fund eventually yeah. soon, you get to spread the risk and spread out the costs of running all these assets. Yeah, yeah. Across all 15. Of course. 15, right. Yeah. So, and again, the risk is somewhat low. I mean, especially when you have that number of units, we set aside a reserve in case something blows up. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have an AC unit, maybe you have, I don't know, you have a hole in the asphalt or whatever the case may be. So you we, we build in reserves the same, same way you do in a multifamily asset. You know, you always have some sort of reserve, right? The same rules apply, but we do our own management of the fund itself too. We send out the return or the checks, distributions on a monthly basis. We send out the reports. We do all that fun stuff too.
0: That's good. I love it. Let's get into something more tactical as far as, you know, if somebody has, let's say $1 to $3 million available today to invest and they want to get into after hearing, you know, this podcast and getting to kind of track you down more, what would make sense for somebody getting in, like drawing the line in the sand today, they realize, Hey, I want to play big, tired of playing small and want to get into bigger multifamily. Where would you kind of guide them to start off?
1: I find a lot of, a lot of people start off with SNLP as limited partner in a deal. So they just become an investor in a deal, right? That's good. Everybody, it's funny because so many people they have it. I don't know why they want to be a GP on the deal. They want to be the the, the general partner in the deal. Yeah,
0: the big the general dog. partner.
1: So for those that don't know, the general partner and the and, and the limited partner, there are other levels too, but we'll just talk about these two right now. Yep. The general partners are the guys that put the deal together. They line up the lending. They do the inspections. You know, get their hands dirty with getting the deal together, basically, yep. right? And there's a lot to getting a deal together. They sign for the debt. Yep. They talk to the lenders. They deal Reliable. with inspectors. Yep. All that fun stuff. The LP. The pain in the ass stuff is what yeah, you meant to say. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the LP puts up the money. The hardest thing they have to do afterwards is collect the checks. Yep. Right. So that's the hardest part for typically for the limited partners. However, there's been numerous occasions where a limited partner had it in their head they want to be a GP because, I don't know, someone on the internet says, you know, you just buy a duplex and you'll be moving to Miami and buying a yeah, in in six weeks. You know, it's ridiculous. It's not not like that at all, right? Once they realize, even as a limited partner, the work that's involved in putting these deals together and maintaining and running these deals, there's a great deal of effort involved in doing that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not discouraging people from not doing the work. I mean, I do it every day. It's fine. That's what I do, right? But you have to, it takes this very special aptitude to do it you know yeah. and uh, you really have to know what you're doing i mean that's kind of the reason why we have our accelerator that helps people learn how to how to put deals together and run deals and all that because i'll tell you what buying a deal is easy mm. simple compared to running it for 10 years straight yes. profitably that's hard yeah. that's the hard part that nobody talks about it's a business it. Yeah, it's a business yeah. you have to know how to run a business yep. and there's a lot of overhead sometimes in that business this is why When people say the big deals make sense. Yeah, the big deals make sense because I'll tell you what, the pain in the ass, whether it's 50 units or 500 units, is always going to be there. So you got to make it worth your while. That's why the 500 unit deal makes sense. Not to mention too, when you're doing the bigger deals, you can afford to get the A class players on those deals, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're doing these smaller deals, nobody cares about the small deal, but the Mm -hmm. big deals, all eyes are on the big deals. Oh yeah. Best lenders are on the big deals. Yeah. The best attorneys are on the big deals. Yeah. They want to make sure that there's success up here. Yep. That's the reason, right? So again, start small. What I would tell my students is get in on those small deals. Fine. Get in, make some money, get out, do it mm-hmm. again. Get in, make some money, get out. Get in, make it better, improve it, get yep. out. You know, just start turning and burning and then yep. just start escalating, right? That's probably the, the one thing that I did not do is I didn't, I didn't move it fast enough, right? I <laughs> should have moved it faster. but live and learn, right? Now yeah, people yeah. get to learn from my mistakes I yeah. suppose, right? Oh yeah.
0: I love that. Talk to me about more learning curves, you know. I know you've seen a great deal throughout the years, but anything that really stands out that you're like, "Damn, I really, you know, I will not make that mistake again," or something that, you know, some of the listeners could do to just cut that curve a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, the very first thing it has to be taken very, very seriously is hmm. the decision point. I mean, I know it sounds so stupid. I know it sounds foo-foo. And no, whatever, it's good. But, it's but important. It's like, yeah, it, it is. It, you want this it, or not? Yeah. yeah. And how bad do you yes. want it? You know, yeah. it's, it's is cheap. I, want, I want to do real estate so bad, but yeah. how bad? Are you willing to sleep on an air mattress for a year? <laughs> to Are you willing to do that? Yeah. Most people aren't willing to do that. They're not willing to give that up. I did it.
0: Yeah. You know, it's I funny did. when I went to visit some of my properties over in Ohio, we ended up, you know, it, it was in construction mode and I was too cheap at the time to get, you know, a hotel at the time. So I was like, screw it. I'm getting a blow up mattress from Walmart and me and my lady would would sleep on this little twin <laughs> air mattress. It was hilarious. But we've, we've done it several times in the past. and And yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't mandatory that I had to do that. But at the same time, it's like, I think it builds up the character and realizing that there are certain parts of sacrifice that you're going to have to put in to be able to really grow, scale, and take your stuff to the next level one way or the other.
1: That's right. But I think once that decision is made, yeah. Then I think after that, you really have to understand how to how to build your team, get in front of brokers. Right. Mm. The brokers are the gatekeepers of the deal. So I have a free ebook. If if, if uh the listeners go to guide to brokers.com, go there. It's a free download. Uh, I think it asks for information where to send the book and all that fun stuff. The thing is though, is that I kind of like fumbled around. I figured this out on my own. It took yeah. it took some, you know, it took some fumbling around to figure it out. But the book, just like I'm a I'm a I'm a pretty straightforward type of guy, I'm a you know, no bullshit type of guy. I deliver the goods. Yep. I don't know how else to do it, right?
0: Yeah respect uh,
1: that I, I mean to me it's like I, I think that resonates with a lot of people out there some people like us some people don't know what am i going to do right yeah, yeah but the thing is though it's like how you present yourself what you say to the broker how you say it to the broker all that stuff matters they hear yeah. because here's the, the thing lingo. Yeah. yeah, and but here's the thing: very rarely do people. But if you listen very carefully while people talk, it's always about I'm doing this. I, 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 I. Nobody wants to hear about you. Tell yeah, me about me. I want to hear. Shit. Yeah, Brandon, talk about me for a for a yeah. second, man. I I feel <laughs> I feel like I want to I want to be talked about. Yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's like put yourself in, the, in in that broker's shoes, right? If the broker's getting 50 phone calls a day from newbies that have never done this before, they're gonna hang up on you. Yeah. And they will hang up on. you. Yeah. Hi, I'm Joe. I am interested. Yeah. (laughs) As I say, oh, okay, Joe, hang on a second. Done. Right. So how you say it, what you say, all that stuff matters. How you present yourself, put on a suit and tie, put on a nice skirt, look good, Mm -hmm. you know, be well studied. Yeah, follow the show. Learn about yeah. how to put a, like learn about how to deal how to put a deal together. Learn about the lingo that they use on a daily basis. You know, do you know what NOI is? Do you know yeah. what uh, what a parcel is? How do you find the information about a tax, taxes on a, a tax zone on a certain deal? Like these various nuanced things. All a broker needs is a, is a reason not to talk to you, and mm. they done. That's it. So I think there's not enough emphasis on that, and understanding those skills is very, very, very important, right? And it shows that you're an outsider if you don't know it. And there's because the market is so hot, even now, there's still so many people wanting to get in. That's perfectly fine. I want to help those people get in. But I think a big part of it is building success and understanding how to talk to those folks. Yeah. Because the the brokers really are the gatekeepers. And then once you're able to do that, then we have another guide to capital that helps people on on how do you raise money? How do you put that stuff together, you know? So
0: guide to brokers.com and then guide to capital dot com. Yeah,
1: I think it's, or it's a capital raising. See, I just I just set these up. So I got I got. <laughs> let me look really quick. I think it's capital raising. Hang on, let me look really quick. But yeah, that's that's uh, let's see. Guide. I think it's that. I don't know. I'll send it over to you.
0: Yeah, shoot it over to me. And it's, and, no, it's, it's guide to it. capital. Guide to capital. That's right. It's what it guide is. to capital dot yeah. com. Cool. And that's yeah. just T O or is it number
1: two? Number two. What do you mean? Like a guide to oh go no it's spelled correctly okay. <laughs> guide to <Okay>. capital <laughs> all right cool yeah that's a fifty six page guide here that's what this is right? love it. A, it looks like that so yeah
0: so they can get more info obviously from guide to brokers dot com and then guide to capital dot com otherwise obviously follow the show you got you, like you dropped tremendous amounts of, of knowledge on there yeah right, we've done uh, like four hundred four hundred episodes at this point yeah come you on know, now so.
1: At one point, we even split off and started doing three other, we did three shows a week. Yeah. One that was focusing on mindset, because I really yeah. do believe that mindset is a it's everything. big part of this. It is. Yeah. The mindset is the software that runs the hardware that we see each other in every day.
0: It's the foundation part. Like it, yeah. it's mandatory. You can't build up anything above it. If not, I love yeah. that. So that is the Bulletproof cash flow Show. That's Make right. sure you That's guys right. subscribe and participate and watch that and then how can people get a hold of you i do want to go over as well after you plug in how people can get a hold of you just like where are you going in the future man like what does the market have in store for you and what what kind of goals do you have lined up for this year
1: sure so i think for next year well first off anybody's looking for me bulletproof cash flow is yeah. the best way to find me we're we're on all the social media platforms we typically do like a daily video of some kind so definitely check it out. If you like what you see, I would appreciate a Subscribe, a thumbs up, a like, a hug, whatever yeah. you want, whatever you want to send Share it me. out, come on. <laughs> hug it out, send it over, man. I'm happy, yeah. happy to oblige, I appreciate it. And for next year, we're still pushing on development, pushing on net lease. I think acquisitions will start loosening up a little bit. Sure. But we're going to be very opportunistic around what it is we're chasing down, right? I think with the frothiness that we saw in the last 12 months, we have not bought anything like I said before. And I think we're to sort of seeing some market movement now because I think prices on, on the stabilized stuff is gonna start coming down a little bit. It has I, to.
0: Yeah, I think the prices are gonna come down a little bit. I think the interest rates will probably start dropping a little bit, making- It's, it's gonna go up. It's gonna go up a
1: little bit. Yep. And it's gonna start coming back down again. It yep. will. Well, I did a video on this just the other day, actually. I did a bunch of research on this. But for next year, what we're looking to do is do development out of state, this time going to like Texas. And the reason why I'm choosing Texas is because I have friends out there, partners I've done business with over the past five years that I know very, very well. We share the same mindset. And I know that he's going to keep an eye on things while we're putting it all together. Right? And he's got net worth and everything. So it's kind of like having those types of partners that you share the same mindset with is very, very important. That's probably one of the biggest things that I learned in my journey is that if you're going to partner with somebody, and this is a partnership type of business here, oh, very yeah. rarely when you're starting out anyway, do you have the ability to just do these deals on your own. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. But if you can't trust your partner, if you feel like you have to have an agreement signed with a partner yeah. to keep them in line, you don't want to do a deal with them, yeah. If that, and really, that comes down to like what you feel in your heart. That's sure. what it is. Like if you if you meet somebody and it's like you, you develop some sort of friendship, and hey, we should do a deal together. If the first thing that says in your mind, I need an agreement with this guy. Yeah, don't do the deal. Just yeah, don't do yeah. it. Trust me on this. Don't do the freaking deal. Yeah, <laughs> just don't That's do so it. Good. Go find someone else. I yeah. promise you that that little clip is worth its weight in gold. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's good. Yeah. Follow your heart with that stuff. Obviously, still have all your ducks in a row and signed and everything, but if that's yeah. the first thing that, you know, that goes through your mind, that's that's not going to be the only thing that keeps people with integrity and everything else. There's gonna right. be a lot of issues that come. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And there's plenty of signs that lead up to that. I could talk for an hour about <laughs> partnerships. Yeah. I'm not gonna do that you. We'll
0: list, need you back so. on for that one. That'll right, be part right. two. Oh yeah. boy.
1: Yeah, yeah, that'll be a long one. <laughs>
0: Well, brother, I appreciate your time so much. You are a wealth of knowledge. I get so much inspiration every time I get to, you know, spend some time with you. And, and yeah, it's, it's just really exciting to see, you know, what you've accomplished. First off, I, I got to give you the props and the respect for what you've accomplished in, in such a. I know I, I would say like a short period of time, but it's been years in the making to get to this point. So it's like you put in the dues, the efforts, and energy. It's kind of like you know Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, like. The most amazing, but nobody ever gets to see the time and energy that they put in behind the scenes, right? So I know there's a lot of intimacy and private time that you're putting in countless hours to make sure that things are successful for the investors that participate with you, but also just for the generational wealth that you're creating for yourself, for your family, and for everybody else that participates with you. You just gave an hour of your time for for me and the audience, anything that myself or the audience can do to give back to you.
1: You know what? If anybody out there likes what I'm doing, please check out. Uh, look, I'm, I'm even on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm yeah. everywhere, man. The boys Go got ahead. you
0: on all marketing
1: stages. I'm, all, yeah. I'm doing yeah. I'm they doing. I'm doing the, whatever this is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not doing any. I'm not doing any dancing or anything else like that. I promise. No. So, um, I'm delivering knowledge like I always do. Yeah. And yeah, if you like what you see, throw up. Uh, give me some love. That's it. That's, That's it. right.
0: I love it. Guys, you heard it first. Make sure you go check out the Bulletproof Cashflow Show. Subscribe to that. Share some love. Tag somebody that needs to see it. And the guides that Augustino gave to everybody right here, the guide to brokers.com and the guide to capital.com. Absolutely free for you guys. So love that. Make sure you guys reach out to him, bless him and tag you know your buddies, your friends, your partners, your significant other, and so many more into this to be able to, really get inspired and take you know action in real estate to get the generational wealth that you and your family deserve. If you guys want to connect with me, you can always do so on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. And then if you guys are looking to really take credit to the next level, I'm talking getting hundreds of thousands of dollars at 0% interest for 500000 and do that every six months for yourself, for your friends, for your significant other, for so many more clients the same and be able to fix credit, to be able to remove collections, 100K in debt, BKs, whatever it may be, hard inquiries, and be able to truly leverage this new credit into true assets, then check out creditcounselelite.com. That's www.creditcounselelite.com. You'll be able to watch a free webinar that we have lined up for you guys to be able to give you the full possibilities of what you can do to change your life with credit and so much more with travel hacking and and you name it. But love you guys all so much. By all means, hit that subscribe button. You'll get the newest notification for Ready, Set, Go Real Estate Investing Podcast. And we will see you next Monday on the next episode. God bless.
1: This has been another episode of Ready,
0: Set, Go Real Estate Investing Podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.